Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number four. I'm Philip Wells, a member at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in New Ulm, Minnesota. Today we begin with Passage and Prayer by Dave Beckman. Matthew 19.29 Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Lord Jesus, you've asked us to leave behind everything to follow you. Sometimes that hurts. Mission workers travel to distant lands and leave family behind. That hurts. Workers take a stand for honesty on the job and leave behind the chance of a promotion. That hurts. Young people who want to stay on your path leave immoral friends behind. That hurts. Faithful worshipers bow in obedience to your truthful word and leave behind the ridicule of family and friends. That hurts as well. Help us to see the blessing and forget the pain. After all, you left behind the joy of heaven and perfect fellowship with the Father to come to this earth. That journey led to hell's pain on Calvary's cross. In all that we sacrifice for you, help us to focus on your greater sacrifice for us. Inspired by your free gift of eternal life, lead us toward our heavenly goal with a zeal and a joy that draw others onto the path to you. Be with us on that journey, for you, dear Savior, have promised that you will never leave us. Amen. Up next, we have God's Word for You by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job chapter 1, the second part of verse 1 through verse 5. Let's start with verse 1. This man, that is Job, was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Spiritually, Job had nothing to be sorry about. Although he was born in sin, as we are, and freely admitted it, there was no part of the law that Job had not fulfilled. How can we say this? Nowhere in the book is there any reference to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or the Israelites, nor any rumor of Israel's exodus from Egypt. In fact, all the evidence points to Job living long before the exodus, probably at least 400 years before. That means that in Job's time, There were no Ten Commandments yet. There were no laws about sacrifices, priests, cities of refuge, ceremonial cleanliness, bathing after leprosy, circumcision, or any of the other requirements of the law. There was only the Noahidic covenant, given in Genesis 9, in which God promised unconditionally never again to destroy the world by means of a flood, although the fear of such a thing is mentioned by Jesus as being a sign of the last days in Luke 21. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, 
and had large, a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job had a lot to be happy about. He was rich. In a time when people didn't use coins or cash, he had enormous wealth, thousands of animals, servants to take care of them, and fields to feed them. He also had a fairly big family of ten children. Ten here isn't a symbolic number. Notice that ten isn't even in the text. It's just seven of one and three of the other. What do you suppose was important to Job? His wealth? His family? Certainly he was concerned about both, but look carefully at our passage. He feared God and shunned evil. Job's fear of God wasn't just the kind of fear we normally think about. His fear was a respect for God. He was afraid of what God would do to him because of his sins. We all must be. But Job knew that the answer to all of his sins was also the very same God. Job was blameless. Are you blameless before God? Was Job? Later in the book, Job admitted that he was a sinful man. He cried out to God, show me where I have done wrong. That's in chapter 6. On the outside, Job seemed to be blameless to everyone who knew him, but he still knew that on the inside, he was a sinful human being who needed a savior. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Well, Job's children liked to party. They wanted to spend their time together, and when they partied, they really partied. Job didn't try to talk them out of it. He was glad they got along. He was happy they wanted to spend time together, but he was also concerned for their souls. He didn't see anything that was wrong with what they were doing, and he didn't hear them say anything or act in any way that made him think that they were sinning against God. But still, he was a good and loving parent, and he prayed for them, just in case they're sinning on the inside in a way that I can't see. How often do we turn to God in prayer? We pray asking God for things. We, we ask him to forgive us. We ask him to give us this and that. We ask him to restore our health, our family, our freedom. All of these things are good to pray for. But Job showed us that we can pray for other people too. God, forgive my friend who has sinned. Whoever we are, wherever we are in life, there are people we can pray for. God, forgive my parents. God, forgive my child, my wife, my cellmate, a guy I know. Job knew that only God forgives sins. We know it too. When we turn to God and admit our sins to him, he promises that he forgives us through the blood of Jesus. Sometimes a regular custom can turn into a bad habit, but there are good habits too. Some of our habits, like washing our hands whenever we use a restroom, they're healthy, shouldn't be given up. Others, like maybe abusing alcohol, can be damaging, even lethal. Daily prayer is a habit that's easy to get into. It isn't hard. Don't dishonor God by saying things like, whoever you are, or if you're really listening, or the blasphemous reference to God as he or she that a priest recently depicted as saying on days of our lives. When we pray in Jesus' name, God listens. It's as simple as that. Just talk to God. It's a good habit. 
Job's act of making a burnt offering showed that he held the position of a family priest. This was the usual practice before God changed it with the laws he gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. In Abraham's family, Abraham made the sacrifices. In Job's family, Job did. The offering wasn't specified by God or regulated, but Job made it a custom, a good habit, to make a burnt offering for each one of his children, all ten of them. It was one way that he showed that he wanted to be right with God and that he wanted his family to be right with God too. We don't have burnt offerings available to us, so how will you show that kind of faith in your life today? Maybe today is a good day to say a prayer for somebody else. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now, Once in Royal David City by Koine. You can find this song and the rest of Koine's music at koinemusic.com.
Next is our Canaan-bound devotion with Tom Barthel. We take one more look at the writer to the Hebrews' description of the faith of Abraham. Recall the most momentous life event for Abraham? I'm sure it wasn't the miraculous birth of his promised son, but the near-death experience of his son at his own hands. God instructed Abraham to sacrifice Isaac at a place he would show him. And so Abraham went with his son Isaac, who was about 12 years old, and set out to offer a sacrifice to God. Wasn't God backing down on his promise when he told Abraham to sacrifice his son? On the surface, it might have appeared that way. Isaac was the one through whom God said he would bless Abraham with many descendants. Isaac was the son of Abraham that was the answer to Abraham's prayer and probably the greatest joy in his father's and mother's life. But now, all that was supposed to come to an end, and Isaac was supposed to die? Never mind the gut-wrenching thought that God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. This was an act to end everything. He was sacrificing along with him everything that God has promised, wasn't he? That's not how Abraham saw it. Abraham knew that God had something great planned. Not even the death of Isaac could stop God's great plan and promise. He reasoned in faith that God would raise Isaac back to life. What do we do with God's promise? Do we put it in a box and limit it? Do we protect it as if it would not survive without our careful planning and protection? Or do we take full confidence in God to accomplish just what he plans to do, to bless us? He has blessed us through Isaac's offspring, the Christ, And when Christ headed to the cross, the disciples struggled to see how God's plan for blessing would result. They didn't have to. God raised him to life, and through his death brought us redemption from sin and death. And so the Apostle Paul tells us, if he's given us his son, won't he in grace give along with him all things? Not even death can separate us from God's love and God's promised blessing. Can anything, should anything, shake our trust in him who promised death, illness, a life that isn't headed in the direction we think is for our best? Did it seem in Abraham's best interest to leave to a foreign land? Did it seem in his best interest to be old and childless? Did it seem in his best interest to do everything God had promised? God's best interest for him was unshakable, and with such a God making the promise, so was Abraham's faith. Like Abraham, live with a resurrection faith. No God will accomplish his plan to bless you. Not even death will stop his plan. Remember the promised rest, which is life everlasting in Jesus. We read from Hebrews chapter 11, 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And now, a short devotion with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The portion of God's Word that we are looking at today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 27 and 28. 
At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The weather is getting colder, Christmas lights and decorations appear, and Christmas music is in the air. Christmas must be coming soon. Are you ready? Christmas is, of course, not just a time of sparkling glitter and twinkling lights. It's when we celebrate the fact of Jesus' birth. We rejoice in our God taking on human flesh and living on this earth. Just as Jesus came once, the fact is, he's also coming again. Jesus came first in lowliness, but when he comes again, it will be in power and great glory. So, are you ready? Jesus tells us that some crazy things are going to happen before he returns. Are you ready? Finally, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? To assure you that you are ready. Why? Because Jesus came. Jesus came into this world in order to live and die for you. Jesus came in order to redeem you. And so, since Jesus came once, you can await his return with absolute confidence and assurance that you stand before God pure and forgiven. And when he comes again, he will come to bring us final deliverance from all sin and all its effects. I'm sure ready for that, and so are you. Here is Bethany Barthel with an update from the Wells Mission blog. The following was posted at blogs.wells.net slash missions on December 15, 2012. Trinity Lutheran Church in St. Lucia reopened their after-school center to children in their community. The Trinity Lutheran After-School Study Center is open for business. Students visit the study center every weekday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. to receive homework help, reading lessons, karate lessons, or art lessons, depending on the day. Very little formal advertising has been done, yet over 40 students have registered, and around 20 students per day walk through our doors. Nominal fees are charged for accountability's sake and to help provide a small stipend for the lesson teachers. A group of volunteer helpers, mostly secondary school students, attend to the children needing homework help or wanting to read books from our library, while trained teachers teach the lessons. Every day ends with a devotion. Teaching and training the children according to particular behavior expectations is a challenge, but the work has been worth it. Some great reading growth among many of the children has already been seen, and their enthusiasm for the study center is seen in the fact that it is very difficult to get them to leave at 5.30. Staffers have also been able to meet many parents and other community members, which provides more opportunity to share the gospel. God willing, this small beginning will grow into a much larger after-school program that will include more academic subjects, along with sports, music, and fine arts. With God's help, this goal will be accomplished through training more leaders, partnering with more organizations, and building a covered sports facility. The congregation reports, We are thankful for our volunteer helpers and our teachers. We are thankful for the LWMS Kids Care offering that has helped to furnish and stock the study center. We are thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to use our gifts in our building to help children grow and reach their families with the gospel. And now we'll listen to Take the World, But Give Me Jesus by Tracy Fedke. Take the world, 
to thank Tracy Fedke and Koine for allowing us to use their music in this podcast. You can find links to these artists and others at canaanboundpodcast.com. You have been listening to episode four of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in January of 2013. Visit canaanboundpodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured here on this podcast. Again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>